When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Yannick Hanfman. I'm Ilya Marchenko. I'm Dennis Kudler. This is Sebastian Wolfer. It's Mark Andrea Whistler. I am Francisco Serundolo. And you're listening to the Game to the Podcast. Hopefully you enjoy it. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> hey, welcome back, tennis fans. I am so, so happy. And do you know why? Novak Djokovic has won his 24th Grand Slam title. He's won his fourth US Open title. He's at the top of the tree. He's too clear of his nearest rival. And we're here to do a podcast today just to talk about Novak Djokovic being the undisputed GOAT of tennis. And no better person to speak on this subject, I feel, than my co-host, JG. How are you today, sir? Hey, uh, yeah, I'm doing great. As you can see, I've got a really nice image behind me of Novak Djokovic with some horns coming out of his head. Now on the number 24 next to him only him and margaret court have got to that level but let's be honest we can isolate djokovic out there on his own because they're two different disciplines and margaret court did it in a completely different era when tennis is nowhere near the same as what it is today and there's it's, it's nothing short of remarkable what novak djokovic has been able to achieve in this sport federer i think was the man who sort of come through and transformed it from what it was nadal pushed it along and gave me my favourite memories as a tennis fan because he's someone who I can really connect to and I love watching him play. And then Djokovic has taken all of that and gone one extra level. And it is difficult now to argue that he isn't the greatest of all time because he has the most grand slams by some cushion, really. And he's playing at 36 years old against the very best players in the world and beating them not because they're struggling with the occasion, but because he's simply that good at tennis. And I want to reiterate that because I don't think Daniel Medvedev bottled the final. I didn't feel like he just no. didn't turn up and Djokovic beat him because he's got more experience. It felt to me that Medvedev actually played a really high level and was unlucky not to win a set. But Or maybe you can turn it on the other, other, other way and say it wasn't unlucky. He just came up against someone who is simply sublime and just that little bit better in every single department because I don't understand how Djokovic won that second set, but he did. He then went on to win in straight sets, which I thought was impossible, against one of the greatest hardcore players to play the game. I think Daniel Medvedev simply is that good. And Djokovic 
I mean, he destroyed him again, and it's it's insane. Um, yeah. There is a few people who have been in the comment section talking about JG. I see my name always in there. I've got a lot of fans, so shout out to you guys. Uh, but one thing a lot of people have been saying is, where was he after the final? I did have an issue with my eyes. That's why I wasn't able to do the post-match reaction. <laughs> but I'm here today. It's not that, well, maybe you want to believe that I've been sitting in a cupboard for the last week or whatever, how long it's been. Uh, crying my eyes out, as the thumbnail suggests, but I've not been crying. I've been recovering with my eyes and I've been watching the endless Djokovic tweets and uh, highlight reels on on X, as it's called now. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, maybe your eyes were blinded by the greatness of Novak Djokovic and you couldn't stare at the screen anymore. Let's say it was maybe that. It was obviously very uh, late as well in the UK, a crazy amount of time to play for just a three-set match as well. I think that that second set obviously include the toilet break as well, but an hour and 45 minutes yeah. for one set. It's That's a match, isn't it? In, Med- in one... Medvedev played well. There's no... Medvedev didn't turn up. Djokovic just took it to him and he, he surprised me. I mean, you shouldn't really keep getting surprised by Novak Djokovic. <laughs> but I'm sure Gary can kind of understand what I'm saying here is... He just defies belief so much because you see him physically sometimes blowing or tired. Um, he's coming up against younger players who have just completely obl- obliterated players before, like an Alcaraz, and in this case, Medvedev, who looks so good yep. after beating Alcaraz. But yeah, it just it, it, he, it means more, I think. It means more to him. He's a better player. I don't know what to say. Like, it's so difficult for me to come out here. And it does hurt a little bit seeing, obviously, all these imagery I'm looking at right now with Djokovic, 24, the go. I've come out on the podcast. I've said I didn't think he was going to win many slams this year. I thought we're seeing like a no change slams, of the generation. Many. Come on, let's get it proper. But not many slams. Not many slams in 2023. But yeah, it's, it's because what I'm saying is not that crazy. It's just because he is defying belief. He shouldn't be doing what he's doing physically at 36 years old. Like the the median age at the top level, sort of 25, 26. Then you've got some really good, amazing wonder kids at 20. He's 36. He moves better than all of them. He's got more stamina than all of them. He's got yeah. zero weaknesses. Like, yeah. I don't see anything wrong about his game. He serves better than what it's been. The overhead smash is more reliant than what it's ever been. I mean, backhand, I don't think anyone's as strong as him. Forehand, he's been ultra-aggressive, I thought, at the US Open at times when he needed to and was able to just sort of carve it down the line, which I've not seen so much from him. And the Angles yeah. as well that he produces. Oh, no, look, Novak Djokovic, legacy, 24 and counting. More imagery of, of the big man. He's got the beard now. He's still winning matches. I just don't know what to say. Like, when's, when's this going to end? Like, is he going to hit 30 grand slams or something ridiculous? Well, who's the... That's just not normal and it can't happen. But why not? The way he is. Can he well, play 40 and still be competitive? Well, he's won. If you take out 2022, let's say, because he missed a couple of the slams that year, he's won six out of eight Grand Slams when he's had a full season. And that, bear in mind, he's now doing it. He got into the final of all four slams in pretty much consecutive years, I'd say, at this age, where he's now 36. 
it doesn't it means surely it's a possibility next year as well that's the way i see it if he plays all of the slams there's a chance if he has a good draw which i have to say at this us open i did think he had a good draw i think everybody agree he had a good draw all of the other players were on the other side but on other occasions he might have to run the gauntlet a bit more doesn't mean he can't beat all those players though i still believe he could have beaten daniel medvedev in a uh, semi-final I still think he could have done that and then who knows who would have been playing the final probably Carlos Alcalaz I'm sure that that would have been the case and it would have been a lot tougher but I don't put anything past this man anymore I've ha- had my doubts I even said what was it I think it was two years ago I thought 25 was the amount that he would get to now that even looks maybe a little bit silly because if he can get to all four finals every year He's got the chance of probably winning at least another slam. <laughs> so he's probably... Well, I've, I've always come out on the podcast. I've said that Rafael Nadal is going to end with the most slams. I think the way it's looking, that's not going to happen now. Um, and that's why I have to come out here and say that maybe I was wrong about what I thought would happen. I made a prediction on it. Uh, Rafael Nadal, there's no secrets. He's my favourite tennis player. He always will be my favourite tennis player. But when... We're talking about this topic here of who is the undisputed greatest of all time. It probably and has to be Novak Djokovic. And that's something I can't really deny or dispute. I'm someone who (laughs) I can stomach it. It is what it is. At the end of the day, he's a great tennis player. He's the greatest. And that's how it's going to be. And credit to him. I think we need to just make the most of watching as many matches as possible of this guy because he's going to be sorely missed when he's gone. It doesn't seem like that's going to happen anytime soon because he just seems so young and athletic that he's got plenty of years left and could win so many more slams. But it's hard because it's not my favourite player. But then at the end of the day, that's what tennis is all about. And I'm I'm man enough to come out here on the podcast and say uh, that maybe I was wrong about who the greatest of all time was going to be. But then that's the way I, I was on that side of what I thought would happen. It didn't. And now this man's got 24. And I think... That's only going to be extended, I'm quite honest. Yeah, it looks like it. How many more songs will I have to create is the question. (laughs) There will be a Djokovic 24 song coming out later on this evening. So make sure to hit the like button, subscribe, leave us a comment on this video and on the song when it is released because it all helps with the... uh, algorithms and i like to hear everybody's feedback as well there's normally some lovely comments in there after these lovely Djokovic podcasts and after a song is released and make sure to share it if you can so let's move on to some Djokovic stats because i really just want to get into all of these stats and all of these lovely tweets there's just been so many flying around i've had to take a few select ones but are they still called tweets or x's I don't know. I think I've got a different thing in my mind when I think X's. <laughs> this one I thought was really uh, a good one to look at the graphic to see. If you're only just listening, they're just uh, showing the trophies of like runners up and finals. So it says 24 titles, 36 finals out of 72 Grand Slam appearances. And half of them he's made the final and a third of them he's won. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just unreal. These statistics just don't make sense. Yeah, I think the crazy thing about this is the Australian Open, whenever he makes the final, he wins it. 
Yeah. The US Open is his least successful. Um, when he gets into the final, you could yeah. probably say Roland Garros, but that's early on in his career. He lost the first three. Um, and he's played in an era with the greatest player to ever play at Roland Garros. Let me finish that sentence before anyone gets angry. <laughs> Rafa on the Dow. Um, but yeah, I think it's amazing that the US Open's been the one he struggled with the most in recent years as well. Like he's had a bit of, un- he's been a bit unlucky with the disqualification, then not being allowed to play there, uh, which I think since we've seen a lot of the science, I do, I am on the side that that is strongly unfair that he wasn't able to play just because of the vaccine. And I just think this is just amazing, the amount he's won all over the place. And it just it just shows to me that he, every year, goes into four Grand Slams where he's probably, if not favourite, the second favourite in every single one. And you can't say that about many other players. Maybe Carlos Alcalaz is another one you can, but you wouldn't say that about Daniel Medvedev. You don't go into Wimbledon thinking he's one of the favourites or certainly Roland Garros. And similar yeah. with with Sissa past these guys, they don't you don't really they don't feel you have much confidence. Djokovic, you go into all of them, and he's favourite for all of them. And I think that is just shows his versatility, despite him not being as good as on a clay court as Rafael Nadal. I will keep saying that just to get it out there to everyone. <laughs> just keep on. He is Clutch still <laughs> no, but he is still probably the second best on clay. I mean, that's how crazy it is. If he's not the second, yeah. he's certainly top three, definitely top five. Um, you can make cases for other players, but I think he is, he is just brilliant at everything. Yeah, for sure. And we've got Jose Morgado just confirming it is 33.3% of uh, all the slams he's entered. He has won. There he is, just holding number 24 there with his new... Uh, jersey i like that it's a nice one do you like it that they've got the jersey just waiting there for me it's just that is that would make me nervous knowing there's so much merch made everything's ready for it i mean essentially they can release it whenever he wins it so it's not like it has to be not really though because i feel like it's tailored to that season you know how it works with fashion like there's certain seasons they bring (laughs) out and but no i think this is a pretty timeless piece yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, with the, the only problem is, if I start making a song before it ends, then he doesn't win it. Then all of the lyrics for that song mean absolutely nothing because they all yeah. relate to that exact slam. So I'm there praying in the final that he's going to win, just so otherwise all of that work just doesn't go to waste. So yeah, and the Djokovic song will be released later on tonight. I know you've said it, but I'm just going to clarify again. Uh, so if you're just watching this podcast, you can stay tuned on the channel. Hit that bell notification. You'll be alerted when the song is posted. Uh, let's yes. move on to the next one. Next one. Bastian Fucken giving a, a little bit of a thought here. Maybe you can re- read this one. Are you okay? Or no, you can read. It? I've got okay. bad eyes at the moment. No worries. I just thought I'd check. He said, I'm ready to say something I've always refrained from saying out of respect for Federer and Nadal. Novak Djokovic is the greatest male tennis player of all time. Not just statistically, the greatest ever, period. For the first time, I can confidently say this won't change. Finn. Goat. Brilliant. I'd Very dramatic. Couldn't have, said it, but... couldn't have said, said it any better, I don't think. Yeah, no, that's it's, it's the same thing I've said at the end of the day. You can't deny the facts. And factually, he is the greatest tennis player of all time. He 
I've run out of things to say about his tennis. Yeah. <laughs> um, his major loss for what? That's what he does. It is a bit like that. What but... do you say every time he wins a slam? We have to revisit the whole conversation where we just can't believe it again. But no, surely we should be so. believing it. I don't think so. I think this is a big one because I feel like this is the real moment he solidified himself as the greatest of all time in my eyes and Bastion's eyes. I'm sure as other people's eyes. There's a lot of Djokovic fans. Have, he's always been the GOAT. Um, before he probably even played tennis, he was the GOAT in their eyes. But I can now see that this is true and this is how it is. And yeah. I'm not going to keep talking about him as as a tennis player and there's so many different things and I have run out of words with it. But one thing I will draw to is I got the privilege of seeing him live in person last year at Wimbledon. Yeah. And one thing I would say is when you are, I don't know, one metre away, I was pretty close. I was in touching distance of Novak Djokovic, sort of facing him face to face. He definitely does carry some kind of aura. And that's something you can't get on Twitter. You can't get from watching yeah. the match. I don't think you can really get it from... You do get it kind of from watching him play tennis in live, but you get it more so when you're sitting in the press conference. You're just sitting like face-to-face with him. He's sitting down, he's staring at you, or he's standing up and you're just face-to-face, like in a very close proximity. Yeah. He carries this really powerful aura. And there is something about him, which he's a bit of a slender man, elastic character. I can't... <laughs> quite understand it but you can you look at him and you think you it kind of makes sense why he's so good at sport and he would be good at any sport as well let me just clarify that he's an absolute athlete before anything I feel like he's an athlete before a tennis player that's how far I'd go to the extremes of I think he could be pretty I'm pretty confident yeah (laughs) I'm pretty confident in saying that he would be probably 80% better than everyone at every sport in the world yeah, probably. And he has the thing that a lot of those people don't have as well. He's mentally stronger than everybody else as well. And that's one of the things that you can't really teach. You can get your body into a physical shape. You can get all of the right things in place. But if your mind lets you down on the tennis court or in any sport, ultimately, you're not going to be a great football player, tennis player, golf player, whoever you are, whatever sport, whatever discipline. And that's the other thing you see. I don't think I made sense with what I just said there, but what I'm trying to say is he's better than uh, 90% of the world in a sport kind of situation. And I think yeah, a lot of that time. is because of his mental side as well, which you yeah. do get from just sitting across from him because you see the way when a question is asked to him, you see how he receives that information and the computer in his mind works so quickly He's able to translate from multiple languages. He's able to speak a very sensible and interesting answer in rapid time. And I think a lot of that is to do with his intelligence and his mental fortitude as well to be able to respond to sometimes goading questions in real time. And that interests me. I I am interested in the psychological element of human beings and watching him compute answers uh, questions and responses into very delicate interesting responses i find it i find it amazing and yeah that's just one thing i want to take away from his tennis because we all talk about his tennis all the time but him as a character there's a reason why he's so good and i think that's part of it yeah i agree with you and and that exact thing and that's the one thing we noticed when we were at wimbledon in the press room as well on court and in a press room he takes control of the situation and that is the the one thing he will do it on his terms and he will answer a question a lot of the times in the press room i saw at the us open as well he does it 
the first person will ask a question and he will give an answer and he will also elaborate and give more answers to other questions probably people are already waiting to ask he said sorry but i'm just going to keep going i'm sorry if i'm answering other people's questions but he directs the narrative of that press conference and he talks for quite a long time because probably he knows the press conferences is only going to be about 15 minutes. So if he talks for five minutes at a time, you can only get three questions as well. And he'll just be able to pick and choose how he handles himself in that situation. So very, very smart guy. Serena, another person who's very good in press conferences as well. I'm happy to have the privilege of actually asking her a question. Didn't get the privilege to ask Djokovic one. Only Rafa and uh, Serena. But anyway, let's move on to the next one. Enough about our Wimbledon chats with players. Um, this one, another one from Oli saying, astounding. And it says, Novak Djokovic uh, at majors since Wimbledon 2018. And so we've got here, Wimbledon 2018, he won. US Open uh, 2018, he won. Australian Open 2019, he won. Roland Garros uh, semi-final. Wimbledon won. US Open, fourth round with a little injury head there. <laughs> and then we've got Australian Open 2021. Then they had the default. Then the Roland Garros final. Then the next three slams he won. US Open final, Roland Garros quarterfinal. And then the, out of the next five, he won four and was in the final of, of Wimbledon. So he's close to having five in a row there. He's one, one set away from beating Alcalaz and having the calendar slam again. Yeah. Well, not again. I feel, I feel like maybe we should talk about uh, that Roland Garros 2022 quarterfinal and also the final of 2020. <laughs> yeah, um, let's might. highlight them individual. <laughs> no, let's not. I'm only joking. But yeah, this what it says to me is the fact that from 2018, he's been by far the best player, the most dominant. Yeah. And he has aged like fine wine. He's got better with age. We are seeing 2018 to 2023 an incredible version of Novak Djokovic, which could extend, so to say, 2025, 2026. Six, I mean, maybe. could it be like an eight-year dominant spell at the back end of your career where you're playing the best tennis, which I don't think has really happened with many players before? Correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like he has done something what a lot of people have not been able to do, and that is end his career with the most amazing part of it i think the one the thing is success. as well obviously we know that uh federer he i think he was he wimbledon final at 39 so yep. that that's impressive itself he didn't win it but still he was that close to winning a slam will Djokovic, when he gets to that age will he hit 40 and still be able to do it and that's why this next one i thought i'll bring this up as a good segue onto this one which is even Isovich has told the press that Djokovic is planning to play the 2028 Olympics in Los Angeles. He will be 41. Yeah, just for the record, Federer was 37 in the 2019 oh, Wimbledon final. I, I, I thought it was not quite 30. I think I, I think I always get it mixed up because of the 19, 2019, and yeah, yep. apologies. But yeah, so what was you saying with this one? So even Isovich told the press that Novak Djokovic is planning to play the 2028 Olympics. <laughs> he will be 41. I have no comment on this. I mean, it's just hearsay at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? I like Long it, time though. to go. Anything can happen. Who's going to be talking about 2028 and who's playing events? I think it's ridiculous. Yeah. So you're man. asking the wrong person on this podcast. Who? Do you know what you're doing in 2028? Covering that 
Olympics with Djokovic winning it. That's what I'm doing. He's going to win the whole thing without dropping a set, probably. He's got I reckon Del Potro will be back by then. He'll probably win it. There'll be technology out so that he can uh, like run properly and just serve properly. All of it. He'd be back in uh, the best. He loves a good possible. Olympics. We'll have Murray Del Potro Olympics of 2028. Maybe we will. They're Final. both robots. They can be controlled by remote control. Uh, <laughs> anyway, this one's quite a long one. Um, I thought it was a very good thing to read through. I noticed that there's a lot of media outlets trying to clickbait this. I wasn't going to give it the time of day and try and clickbait it myself by saying, they're like, Djokovic, retirement plans. Like, no, this was back in 2018. He had mentioned that he thought that he was going to retire. He said, um, uh, after a loss to Benoit Pair, he said that, uh, to his family and team, uh, he gathered them all around and said, it's over, it's done. He told his team to contact all the sponsors. And he said, whether I'm going to stop for six months, a year, forever. He said, they're entitled to drop him. He'd understand. He said, after a few, uh, after, a few days after announcement, he was on holiday with his family and his wife, uh, Yelena and son, Stefan, were playing some mini tennis with a ball machine. He went over to join in, and then uh, Yelena obviously jokingly said, "Like, no, you've quit playing tennis, so leave the court to us, pretty much." And then Stefan let him join in, and then he started serving, and then felt a little bit better in the elbow, little by little. By the end of the holiday, he got all his tennis gear back on, played against his wife with the tennis ball machine, looked more motivated, and after his holiday. Uh, that was it. He came. Uh, he contacted his longtime coach, uh, Marion Vajja, uh, and asked him if he wants to return to the team. So the break was over after 10 days. That's all it took for him to convince himself to come back to the sport. Four months later, won Wimbledon. Six months later, won the US Open. And at the end of the year, he became year-end number one. And he won 10 slams after that too. Not too bad, eh? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I don't hate to be that guy again, Ben, but I just don't really buy into the fact that he was actually going to retire. <laughs> and I feel like you're goading me into saying that. But when I was reading it, I was thinking, really, was he actually going to retire? Did he just take some time off? I know he might say it and it makes it for a dramatic story and probably a great Netflix series. But Ooh, sign me up. All I see for this is he knew he was still good enough to play tennis. Granted, he was worried about the elbow injury. And I can understand in 2018, there was a lot of issues where he wasn't playing tennis and he was worried about it. But all it was a case of is I'm sure he would have done whatever he could to get, go and play tennis again. So I feel like he's always had the passion and fight. It was just waiting for the all clear from the doctors and then he was going to go and play again. I don't think it was a case of he was going to retire uh, unless he was told that he had to. It wasn't like oh, I've realised how much I love the sport. It's ridiculous. He's always loved the sport. I think he would have loved it. He just it, The reason he didn't love it is because he was injured at, the, at that very moment. He wanted to go and play. So yeah, I thought this really one might rile you up a bit. I'm glad me up a little bit. <laughs> I like the story, though. It's a nice storyline. It's just not uh, real, that's all. Well, maybe not. You'll find but... it in a fantasy book near you. Okay, but let's as we're talking about his family, let's move on to another member of his family that gave him... Uh, the inspiration in that final. And I thought that this is a this is a really nice side of Novak Djokovic that I know that everybody, he has his haters, but you can't deny he is like an amazing father figure and he would always put his family first before anything. 
And he's that's the first people he wants to go and see. As soon as he'd won, he didn't even celebrate after this US Open. That all he wanted to do, he said, was go over and see his daughter. And I thought that was like super sweet. Um, he said, every time I needed that innocent child energy, I got it from her when I was going through very stressful moments, particularly in the second set, when I needed a little bit of a push and strength and lightness, she gave me a smile and a fist pump. And it's just, and you can see like how much, how much emotion that that brings out of him. And I think that he's never been a guy to shy away from his emotions. And that's what, what we need in the current world. I mean, a lot of it is like, you've got to be the tough man. You've got, I think he can be both. And I think he is both. I think it's very important for men to always show their emotions. And I think um, he is a very, like you say, proud father, brilliant father, a great role model uh, for many people. And he is someone, as we know, who stands in what he believes in, which is, I think is another core principle, which most people should be, should, should really follow. You should always stand, yeah. stand up for what you believe in. He certainly has done that over the years. And he certainly always found the time to be with his kids. And I think they're going to grow up to be brilliant adults as well. And I wouldn't be surprised if we have two, two tennis players. Is it two or three kids he's got? Just the two, yeah. Yeah, but still... two, two tennis players, I'm sure. Because yeah. they've got the right genes, number one. And two, if they've got a little bit of his mental, they're going to be world number ones. I mean, what a hard shoes to uh, step into, I have to say. it. I mean, I hope that we do get to see them play tennis. Hopefully they're a little bit better than Leo Borg and we can see them on a tennis court. Hopefully he can install the mental fortitude that he has on a tennis court. But I think the one thing, that he, the key thing he's always said is, he wanted to, them to get to an age where they actually realize what's going on on the court so that they can appreciate it. And the fact that he's one of those people who's been able to get to that point where his children can actually watch him and cheer him on and have the proper emotions when you watch an actual sporting event when somebody you're playing or you, you love is playing in it. Now she has that. Obviously, the, his son's a bit older and would have had that already. This was the one for her. And I think that that's the key thing he's doing these things for his he's done them for his wife to start with that and his parents and now it's his children that are sort of having grand slams dedicated to them and it's this year has been i don't want to put a negative spin on it but Djokovic is one of the best at revenge and it's like the the 2023 was like the revenge tour for me for Novak Djokovic he Australia got revenge on not being able to play there and in the US, got revenge on not being able to play there either in 2022. And every time he plays a player that beat him last time, he seems to get revenge on them too. And Daniel beat him last time he played in Dubai and in the US Open final. And look what happened this time. Djokovic straight sets. The serve volley master it turns into in this final. And what a fantastic way to cap off this Grand Slam season. Yep. He keeps doing it, keeps winning, and he's just an undeniable force, Novak Djokovic. And we kept talking about the fact that, yeah, he's going to always get revenge. And we spoke about the Medvedev one, and it it, it happened again. Keeps yeah. happening, the guy. Brilliant. Um, and one more thing for you is if, the, sure. if there is some more tweets, I can yeah. read them now. My, my eyes have miraculously Ooh. got a lot better since we've moved away from the, the GOAT tweet. <laughs> Oh, the, 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 I think there's some more I can bring. Oh, no, maybe they'll go bam. Oh, I'll get oh, my sunglasses oh. on for them. <laughs> They've gone blurry. They're a bit bright, them goat ones. 
<laughs> right. We've just got a few like statistical ones and some people have uh, posted some just funny ones. Uh, this one, I believe, was, yeah, uh, a quite a funny one. People who have beaten Djokovic in a slam semi-final since 2015. Dominic team. Yeah, that's End crazy. <laughs> that's it. Dominic team was so good then, man. Yeah, I've missed Dominic team. I really do. I was starting to really get on board with Dominic team, but unfortunately, he's still there, but it's not the same. Right, let's flick through some more of these. This one, uh, oh, we're not going to go through all of these. It says 24 stat. <laughs> so I thought I was gonna, we're going to have time for this one as well. <laughs> Probably not, but it says he's... Uh, uh, from Grand Slam records, the prize money, milestones, much more. Yeah, I'll pop the link to that it, in the... What's the loose one say? It's now won five or more titles a, uh, a year in 12 different years. The first man in the open era to do that, surpassing Connor's 11. I mean, have a look at this tweet. Uh, we'll put it in the in the description. You can read all of them. Yeah, there's, there's a link. There's a lot more the... than 24 as well, by the oh, way, but yeah. they've just done it for the 24 number. Yeah, it's, it's totally amazing. This one... I definitely want you to read out. So this one's just for you. Oh, my eyes are going. <laughs> Here we go. Total time spent at number one. Here we go. So take us through these ones in order if you can. You can start each, which other way around you want. We can go up to one or down from one. We we'll just mind. do one to five, I think. So Djokovic, <laughs> 7.48 years at number one. Sam uh, Federer. Sorry, I didn't even see Federer there. 5.95 years. Sampras, 5.48 years. Lendl, 5.18. And Connors, 5.14 years at world number one. Djokovic has reached pretty much seven and a half years at the number one spot. Nearly double Nadal, though. You missed him out at number six there. 4.01 <laughs> years. He's always been a good number two, though, Nadal, hasn't he? He's always been solid in that second what, spot. What, on clay? No, well, I don't know. He's good. good. Shut your mouth then. Good behind Federer or (laughs) (laughs) Djokovic. In all fairness, it's been quite a crazy era. And for Nadal to only have that and to still have 22 slams is even more crazy as well. Shame about all the injuries, really, for Rafa. I'm sure he'd be up up there with number one, but. Injuries, some injuries. Right, okay. <laughs> this next one is another from the big three saying Grand Slam plus Masters 1000 finals. Djokovic with 93, Nadal 83, Federer 81. So we know that Djokovic, he's, I think he's only one Masters away, and that's the Monte Carlo one, from mm-hmm. having the career Golden Masters three times. Yeah, it's a shame he's not going to win it next year, though, because I think Rafael Nadal will win Monte Carlo (laughs) next year. You're going to turn up. I'm not allowing this. (laughs) My eyes are better. I'm playing on the tour. I'm going to beat Djokovic in the first round like Fakina. Right, anyway, moving on from this one. And, yeah, and what a beast that Djokovic is. Put this into perspective. Remember Alcalaz, that young kid, won it last year? Yeah, remember I remember him. him. He only got to Good the semi-final. Opens got... his mouth really wide. Is that that name? <laughs> yeah. Only got, only got to the semi-final of the US Open. Didn't even have to play the final. Dropped out the Davis Cup. Guess who didn't drop out? This man, four days after uh, winning the US Open. He's back on court, ready to face Spain. But no Carlos Alcaraz there to, uh, to meet him. He said he was looking forward to it. He wanted to beat Alcaraz in Davis Cup. 
I think the scheduling's ridiculous. I, I, I'm more siding with the fact that scheduling. with a lot of the players who are withdrawn, for a twenty-year-old, I think it's surely possible. It's Davis Cup, it's it's a glorified <laughs> friendly. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of it at all. I think it can be good if they if they've sort of built the calendar a bit more around it. But straight after the US Open, yeah, never going to really garner enough interest. That's why we yeah. don't cover much of it on the channel. It's a reason. It's, for me, it's not not that interesting having it right now. I would I would yeah. be very much interested if it was at a different stage of the calendar. Um, but yeah, my thoughts. Yeah. Right. So last one, and then we will wrap this one up. And this one is just to encourage everybody: if you support Novak Djokovic, you love a bit of history then get some of our GTL merch. This new Nole 24 t-shirt, you can see it here. I've designed this uh, beauty with obviously the, the New York background, the 24, the wolf on there as well. So make sure I'll pop the link in the description and in the comments. Go get yourself one. And uh, I'm, my one's on its way at the moment as we speak. I'll be wearing it, parading it around London and uh, trying to convert a few Nadal fans into Djokovic fans. But yeah, yeah I think that's really it. good job. I do like it. I'm, I am wearing it right now. Oh, no. Sorry. It's the <laughs> Sorry. I've only got the 22 one on at the moment. I've, I've, I've I'm, I'm, your 21. You, I'm 21. Rafa's <laughs> <laughs> not quite got to these sort of 24 heights yet. But... Brilliant stuff. I Give it a few it. more years and we'll be there. But anyway, thank you for joining. That is our reaction to Djokovic winning number 24. And potentially now be in the undisputed go. I think me and Ben both agree that he is. Let us know in the comment section, do you think he is? Also, let us know any of your thoughts on anything else we discuss. Make sure hit the like button, subscribe if you're new, go buy a 24 t-shirt and stay tuned because the Djokovic song will be coming in a matter of hours live on the channel. So hit the bell and you'll be alerted when it is live. But for now, we'll see you later. Idemo nole. Idemo. Sports Social Podcast Network.